Welcome. Welcome back. Welcome home. This is Tracy, and we want to thank you for being a part of the Life Together podcast. Before we get into this week's teaching, we want you to know that you matter to God and you matter to us. Life Together is a Wednesday evening gathering for worship, Bible study, and community here at Oak Creek Assembly of God in Oak Creek, Wisconsin. I was thinking about, with this gorgeous weather, about how refreshing a breeze is, right? Like if you're ever having like one of those solid seasons where you just can't breathe, it's so refreshing to go stand on the beach of Lake Michigan, close your eyes on a nice warm summer day, and just feel the breeze like blow across your cheek. It's very refreshing. Uh, there was there was a time that I stood on the helm of a ship going really fast on the ocean, and I was standing at the very front, and it was going so fast. The only thing I could feel on my face was this constant wind hitting my face, and the the roar and the rush of the wind in my ears was so loud that it almost boxed me into this little quiet moment with a sound muted room in my heart with the Lord and my love for his glorious creation. And wind can be beautiful. Wind can also be devastating. Dan and I have been here for nine years, and before here we ministered at a church in Tulsa, Oklahoma called Carbondale Assembly of God. And this church was famous because every year the news would come interview our church on the anniversary that a tornado came up the creek turnpike hit our church, obliterated most of the building, and then just dissipated into the air. So it's like free advertisement for the church because the news would come and feature our church every single year. In fact, I think the last interview was 2019, and this happened in 1999. So every year, because of the wind, this church got to be featured on the news. But wind can be devastating. That was a hard season. We've seen Hurricane Ian and the devastating effects of the wind on Florida. Over 130 people died from the hurricane winds. And Florida has the biggest expense of a natural disaster ever, over $75 billion because of wind. Wind can be beautiful and refreshing, and wind can also be horrendous and devastating. I think about wind, and I think about wind as the resistance that we feel uh, well up in our own life, that something is changing in the movement of the atmosphere. The presence of the wind, of change, of resistance can only be perceived by the effects that wind has around us. Uh, The late great evangelist Billy Graham has a beautiful statement about wind. He says, I've never seen the wind. I see the effects of the wind, but I've never seen the wind. There's a mystery to it. God calls us each to stand in the face of wind. God is calling you and God is calling me to courage. You and I are called to courage. Today we're going to explore Matthew chapter 14 to hear from the Lord about what it looks like to live a life that is called to courage because your calling to courage looks completely different than my calling to courage. And we're going to see how each disciple in this story was called to courage, but their calling looks differently. Let's pause here and pray. Father, we love you so much. Thank you for your faithfulness, Lord. Thank you for your goodness. God, thank you that you are steadfast and you are unchanging. 
And Lord, you call us to have a flexible spirit with you because you are growing us and maturing us and making us more like Christ. Lord, you're taking away the things of the world that distract us from living the life that, that you know is best for our souls and best for people to know Christ. Lord, I pray that you would take the wind in our world and that you would be glorified in the midst of it. And God, work in our hearts tonight that we would know what courage you're calling us to. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Okay, Matthew chapter 14, starting in verse 22, says this. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone, and the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. I love their response. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. So first of all, in order for us to live a life of courage, because we are called to courage, is that courage recognizes the wind. Whenever I've heard this story, if you're like me and you grew up in church, you've heard this story like more than once or a hundred times, right? It's just a really cool story to get involved in, to dream about, like, what was that like to walk on the water or to see Jesus walk on the water? And when I heard it as a kid, I always thought, like, there was a storm going on. Like, there was lightning and thunder and lots of rain, and, and there was, like, some kind of horrendous hurricane storm going on. But the Bible doesn't say that. In fact, this account of this happening happens three times in the Gospels. So there's an account of it in Matthew that we're on tonight. There's one in Mark chapter 6, and there's one in John chapter 6. And it never talks about a storm. It talks about the wind. The wind is always the cause of concern in each account of this story. So, yeah, it talks about the waves, but it says that there were waves buffeting the side of the ship because the wind was against it. This word for wind is anantias. And this word here in Greek, if you say it in Greek to a Greek speaker back then, a Greek person would have thought of wind in two different ways. So the first way is like a compass. So this kind of wind is like the, the kind of wind that comes from every direction on the compass. The wind is coming from the north and from the south and from the east and from the west. It's not just a strong breeze from the west or coming up from the south. It is whirling around them from every point of the compass. They're caught up in an all-encompassing wind that is powerful and strong. And there's another account in the Gospels where it talks about the, the disciples are fighting to survive on their boat. And it's three o'clock in the morning when they see Jesus walking on the water. They've been fighting this wind 
all night long. And you know, I want you to understand a little bit of the background of this passage because before this happened, Jesus and the disciples had just fed over 5,000 people in a miracle that Jesus multiplied a little boy's lunch and they fed over 5,000 people. I get tired from feeding my own family, let alone 5,000 people plus, and then cleaning up after all of them. I just want to sit on the couch and watch a movie or like go straight to bed. Usually it's go straight to couch and fall asleep, right, Dan? (laughs) Uh, But I get exhausted from taking care of people, and they were preaching the gospel all day long. Jesus was preaching about the kingdom all day long in like outside in the sun, that's exhausting. And then they feed all these people, that's exhausting. But if you read even before that, the day before, Jesus and his disciples received devastating news. John the Baptist had been beheaded. This is Jesus's cousin. A lot of Jesus's disciples were disciples of John the Baptist before they came and joined Jesus. And so this is almost like if you could imagine not even someone that you knew, but someone in your personal family beheaded. That's horrible, right? And then these disciples, it was like their pastor was beheaded. That'll make you stop for a minute. That'll make you sit down for a long time and just try to wrap your brain around it. So Jesus calls his disciples and says, let's get away. We need a minute. Let's get away. And they get away, and they're greeted on the other side of the lake by 5,000 men plus women and children. And they ministered all day long. And then they fed all day, like that evening, they fed everyone. And then they cleaned up after everyone, and they get on the boat to go to the other side of the sea. And here again, a wind all-encompassing around them. And they just want to lay down and rest, and now they're up until 3 o'clock in the morning fighting against wind just to survive. Here are the disciples exhausted and spent and grieving and fighting and without Jesus in the middle of the darkness. They're fighting to keep their boat afloat. They're doing everything they can just to stay afloat and get through the night. The wind was against them. Their fear was against them. Exhaustion was against them. Discouragement was against them. And so this word for Greek, anantias, talks about an all-encompassing wind. It was a very strong wind from everywhere. And the other metaphoric use for this word for wind is adversary, someone coming against someone else, an adversary, a force to be reckoned with because someone is being attacked by an adversary. And this adversary had risen up against the disciples in the form of wind, and they're overwhelmed. And I'm wondering tonight, have you ever been there? Are you there now? Are you in the midst of wind where you think that, you know, you're in the middle of it and it can't get worse, and then all of a sudden it got worse And you can't see Jesus to save your life. You feel abandoned by God and you're fighting for your life. And you're just wondering, what is all of this that has come against me and how can I survive it? The wind of change or challenges or circumstances outside of your control sweep through so fast that the force of it can take your breath away. And I'm wondering what kind of wind is vying for your attention tonight? 
See, it wasn't the waves that distracted Peter and the disciples. It was the adversary. It was the wind whipping through their hair and blowing billowing waves at their boat. Wind can feel different in each one of our lives because courage looks different in each one of our lives. And in our callings, wind can be opposition and hardship and danger. Wind can feel like social pressure and behavioral consequences. Wind can cause waves of discomfort and turmoil in our relationships. Wind can be financial pressure that we experience when God has called us to step out in generosity and we have no idea how our books are going to be balanced or how we're going to pay the bills. Wind can feel like the tenacity to start a conversation that you know will be uncomfortable or conflict. Wind can be the reality of waiting for a husband or for a wife or waiting for children or hoping for children or, or for restoration and family relationships and not sure what the end product can be. Wind can feel like the adrenaline rush of sharing your faith with someone about Christ who thinks differently than you. Wind can feel like going on a missions trip or walking across the street to talk to that neighbor about Jesus. Wind can feel like, feel like the change to the places that we feel most comfortable. Wind is difficult. Wind is like an adversary. It's hard and scary and overpowering. And walking into the wind is a incident. My back. Walking into the wind is a denial of our very instinct of what we're comfortable with. And forgetting that and stepping out into the unfamiliar and into something new and uncomfortable. And I want you to think, what wind is in your life today? What wind is against you? There are those defining moments where we're going about life on a mission from Jesus in the comfort and discomfort of our callings. And then Jesus calls us out of even that familiar place into something that seems treacherous. And if it wasn't for him, it would be impossible. I think about the choice that like, someone like Rosa Parks made when she could have just sat in the seat. That's it. Sit in the seat and not cause waves. But she didn't. She decided that day that she was going to step out of the familiar and shake things up again. I, I think about missionaries who packed their belongings in caskets because they knew in order to follow Jesus across the world in boats, they would not be coming home except for in a body bag. I think about the person who came overcame any social discomfort to invite my mom to church when she was a young teenager. And because of their, their ability to step out of the familiar and step out of their comfort zone, she went to church and met Jesus and grew in a relationship with God. And because of her faith and her being the first believer in her family up until like 10 years ago, I have a faith in Jesus. And because I know Jesus, my kids are being raised to know Christ. Because of that man who is faithful to the call of God to step out of the familiar and invite my mom to church. I think of the disciples who knew the opposition they'd be facing by preaching the gospel and growing the church, and yet they chose to do it over and over and over. I even think about Jesus on the night he was betrayed. He didn't want to go to the cross. He didn't want to be scourged. He knew what was ahead, and he begged his father. He said, Father, if there's any way that this cup be taken from me, let it be done. But, Lord, more than me, let your will be done. And Jesus stepped into the wind. 
Call to Courage isn't about living for Jesus day to day in ease and without opposition. Living daily for Christ and follow him into deep places is about recognizing the wind and stepping out into it anyway. Courage also calls us to recognize the boat that we're in, to recognize the boat. All of the disciples were in this circumstance together. I think a lot of times we think about this story and we think about Peter and Jesus, but we forget like all of the disciples were experiencing this on the boat. They were all like on this boat together. A lot of them were familiar with boat life. They had grown up as fishermen with their dads and they were generational fishermen. They knew what it was like to fight a storm on the water and they were scared. But to like, that was their safety net, was the boat. It was their place of familiarity. They were, they were their safest there. And I'm wondering what your safety zone is tonight. What's your boat? What is the place that you're most familiar with? Where's your safety zone? Because in order to step out in courage, you got to recognize where you feel comfortable in order to step out from where you feel comfortable You have to overcome, uh, you have to know what your familiarity is in order to step out of it. Sometimes Jesus meets us in our safety zone and calls us to come out into unique places with him where the environment is unpredictable and feels dangerous and unfamiliar. And then sometimes Jesus waits for us to invite him ourselves on his adventures, to ask him to step, to give us permission to step away from what's familiar, to see him in the middle of adversity and invite ourselves to join him in that venture, to come alongside him. See, the rest of the disciples weren't reprimanded in the story and yet they they decided to stay on the boat they stayed in a familiar place and Jesus never even called Peter initially from the boat Jesus never said hey Peter I want you to like join me why don't you come off the boat no he waited because Peter saw Jesus out in the wind and out in the adversity and he said Jesus if it's you call me to come out Call me to come out. Peter wanted to join Jesus. But in this moment, Peter chose wisdom because he asked for his Lord to give him permission to step out into the unknown. He waited. He said, Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, Jesus said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. You know, like there's times when I think about this story, I wonder what it was like for Peter to grip that wooded edge of the boat. Maybe it was rough when he was holding on to it. Maybe it was splintered from the the years of wear and weather-wornness. And he gripped the side of his uh, the boat and he threw his leg over the side and straddled the moment of familiarity for just a moment. And he put his toes on the water and he stood up on the solid liquid beneath him. And I can't imagine what that must have been like when he took a breath and he took his first step on the impossible. And he started to step toward Christ intentionally away from what was familiar and away from what was predictable. When you seek Jesus, you need to be sure to ask him before you step out in courage. Jesus wants to call you out from where you are, but if you feel that urge in your soul of, Jesus, I want to join you in the midst of adversity, talk to your Lord first. Say, Jesus, is this your will? I want to join you, and I'm going to, but Lord, you call me out. 
because I'll come join you if, if it's your will. Number three, courage remains focused on Jesus. When we're called, we need to remain focused on Jesus. The disciples were struggling in the wind to stay afloat. They were focused on their work and their effort and achievement and pretty simply just surviving and making it through the night. Circumstances were so dire. And in this passage, the things that they see affect their feelings and behaviors. Check it out. So in verse 26, the Bible says, When the disciples saw him, Jesus, walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. And then Peter in verse 30 says, But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink. The disciples saw a ghost what they perceived, what they saw, what they thought to be something terrifying, a ghost, and were afraid. And Peter saw the wind and was afraid. What happened as soon as they begin to focus on something that wasn't Christ? So let's, let's think about Peter first, okay? So what happened as soon as Peter began to see the wind around him and focus on that? What happened as soon as he focused on the adversity and discomfort of the environment and the place he stepped out into? See, the faithfulness of Jesus never shifted. Like, Jesus never changed. He never walked away from Peter. He never said, oh, wait, no, Peter, get back in the boat. This is not safe. Like, you should, you should actually get back in the boat. Jesus never changed his mind. But when Peter was focused on Christ, he was walking in courage toward his Lord. He was confident that Jesus would sustain him in the middle of the deep. And then he began to see the wind. And he was distracted by the adversity and by what was fearful. His focus began to change. And, and he began to see the circumstances of reality of what was going on around him rather than who Jesus is. So I think about the sun, like the sun is really big, right? It's actually 109 times bigger than the earth. That's pretty big. But when I was a little kid, I put my thumb up to the sun and I was really convinced that the, th the sun was smaller than my thumb. It's all about perception, right? Like if we put our hand in front of our eyes, all we see is our hand. And if we're not careful, Maybe we can begin to believe that our hand is bigger than the sun because we've blocked the sun with our hand. See, what happens here is Peter begins to focus on, on the things that seem bigger than what he sees in Jesus. He begins to focus on what's in front of his face rather than on the lordship of Christ. And he loses focus on what gives him courage in the first place and going out into the deep. Peter saw the wind and was afraid. Peter saw adversity and he was afraid. And even though he was already doing amazing feats of faith and stepping out into the water because Jesus had enabled him, the, the wind was still scary. And I, I think, can't we be like Peter sometimes? Where we step out in courage and in a moment of bravery and we're standing there in the middle of something courageous that we've never done before. And yes, I did it. Jesus, look what we're doing together. Okay, Lord, I've got it from here. I took that first step and I feel brave now. And now I just need to make sure all these things are lined up and I'll be good. And we begin to take our eyes off of Jesus and we begin to see things that are reality, but it's adversity against us. Like finances get tight and we forget that God is our 
provider. We didn't get enough rest or enough of the natural things that give our bodies strength, and we forget that God is our strength. We get sick or we see sickness all around us, and we forget that God is our healer. We face ungodly criticism because we're making strides in righteousness, and we forget that God is our righteous judge. If we don't discipline our focus, we begin to focus on the wind, on the adversity, rather than our Lord. When we focus on our adversity, we can very easily get swept away by fear. Fear of the unknown. Fear of the known. Fear of the what-ifs. Jesus gives the disciples the answer they needed when they cry out in fear. Jesus said immediately to them, take courage, it is I, do not be afraid. The NLT translates his response as this, don't be afraid, he said, take courage, I am here. Take courage, I am here. This word for fear that's used is phobeo, and it means to be struck by fear, seized in alarm. If you think of like frozen in fear, like you're so scared that you can't move, that's what the disciples were feeling. And Jesus said, take courage, I'm here with you. Jesus' reaction to their fear was to hand them encouragement, to remind them that he was in their midst. This word for encouragement, this word for courage, take courage, be encouraged, means to be filled with cheer. To be filled with cheer. Isn't that the opposite of being frozen in fear? Is to be warmed by the joy and the hope that we have in God and letting that that hope melt away any fear and frozenness that we have, that we can move and that we can breathe and we can trust that God is good, that we can rejoice in the Lord always in every circumstance, present our request to God with thanksgiving and that we can be gentle because God is near. We don't need to be frozen in fear when adversity comes our way because God is with us. Jesus hasn't abandoned us. Jesus is in the midst of our adversity. When you feel seized up in fear of the unknown, the known, the what-ifs, take courage. Be of good cheer. Be daring, not because of who you are, but because of who he is. He's here with you in the midst of the adversity, in the middle of the winds, and he's not daunted by it. Your hands, your problems, your struggles, your temptations, your battles are never going to be bigger than the sovereignty of Christ because he's undaunted by the wind. He is Lord over all, and he is your protector, and he's your strength, and he is your source, and he does not abandon or forsake his people. He will not abandon you. He will equip you because he has called you and he has given you permission to be out in the deep. Courage also refines our faith. The Bible says immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him, Peter. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshiped him, saying, truly, you are the son of God. Of all the people on the boat, Peter is the only one who steps off the boat. He has, he's the only one with the audacity to do that. And I think, in my opinion, that that's worth some, like, spiritual brownie points, right? Like, look what just Peter just did. But Peter didn't respond with, attaboy, Peter, or turn to the other disciples and say, why can't you have more faith like Peter? He doesn't say that. Jesus said, you have so little faith. He said that to Peter, 
not to the disciples still on the boat in the safety zone. He looks at Peter and said, you have so little faith. Why did you doubt me? If I was Peter, I would probably respond like, but did you just see what I just did? Aren't you proud of me? I just did that. But the point is that Peter lost his focus. He forgot that Jesus is enough, that Jesus was going to continue to sustain him. It's not about stepping out of the boat. It's about continuing to walk on the water, continuing to stand in the midst of adversity, not because of your own strength or your own accomplishments, but because Jesus is enough, that Jesus will sustain you, that Jesus is sovereign over every situation, you of little faith. The fear that Christ might not actually provide the security and the provision and the peace and the freedom needed in desperate situations. Little faith wonders, is Jesus enough? Is Jesus who he says he is? Is Jesus actually Lord over this adversity? Is Jesus going to finish the work he began? Little faith. Peter grew in his faith in Christ. And I think that when we find those courageous experiences and we witness God's power in the midst of adversity, in the midst of the wind, the power and the sovereignty and the goodness and the great love and the presence of the God who loves you and has called you, that you begin to believe with all of your being that God is with you. This is the same Peter who chose to be crucified upside down. This is the same Peter who shortly thereafter denied Christ three times. And yet when he discovered the lordship of Christ, he went to his death joyfully because he believed that Jesus is who he says he is. That Jesus is eternal and that Jesus is enough. I want to switch my my focus from from Peter for a second and and switch over to the disciples because they're still on this boat, right? Like they're still a part of this journey. And I want to remind us that just a few chapters earlier in Matthew, the disciples had a similar experience. They were on the same sea, probably in the same boat. I'm sure they didn't have enough money to have like plenty of yachts on Lake, the Sea of Galilee. So there's like on the same boat, on the same sea, and this storm, this squall rises up in this moment. And it's so strong that it's about to break their boat apart. And they cry out and they say, Jesus, don't you care? And Jesus wakes up from a nap and he says, peace, be still. And then he turns around and looks at the disciples and says, you of little faith, Why do you doubt me? In their response, when Jesus calms the sea, they say, what kind of man is this? Even the winds and the waves obey me. In this moment, in this story, several chapters later, they say, truly, you are the son of God. They knew Jesus was a special man. But in this moment, as Jesus steps back into the boat and the wind dies without a command, They see Jesus in his lordship, and they say, you're not just a man. Truly, you are the son of God. And when they saw Jesus in the midst of the wind and waves rising above the opposition and torrents, they witnessed his divinity and his power over everything. 
There's a beautiful proverb in chapter 30, verse 4, and it says this. Who has gone up to heaven and come down? Whose hands have gathered up the wind? Who has wrapped up the waters in a cloak? Who has established all the ends of the earth? What is his name? And what is the name of his son? Surely you know. My friends, surely you know. Surely you know Jesus is his name. And Jesus is Lord over any adversity in this room. And my brother and my sister, God has called you to live in courage. Not because he wants it to well up from within you. He wants you to keep your eyes focused on Christ no matter what winds are against you. No matter your adversity. Keep your eyes focused on Christ. Let him build your faith. And know that whatever wind is in your life right now, God is turning that into a testimony that you can share with the world, yes, but that God can be glorified and you can sit back and on and say, surely, truly, you are the son of God and I know your name. You're the one who holds the wind in the palm of your hand. You are undaunted by it and you are sovereign and I will live for you. Let's pray. Lord God, I love you so much. Thank you for my brothers and sisters in this room. I know that you have called each one of us to our own journey with you and following Christ. You've called each one of us into our own neighborhoods. We, we each have our own stories with our family, with our home life. We each have our own stories of wind all-encompassing around us, whether in the past, coming up in the future, or maybe it's swirling around us right now. Father, I pray for those in this room who who's struggling to keep eyes focused on you. Lord, it's so easy, and I'm sorry, Lord, but it is so easy to forget your promises in the midst of wind. Father, I, I rebuke the wind right now in Jesus' name from stealing that from us. Father, I pray that your helmet of salvation would guard our thinking that our eyes would be focused on Christ, that you are the author and the finisher of our, of our faith. And you said in your word that you have started a good work and you will be faithful to complete it. You said that, Lord, and we trust you. I pray, Father, for each person in this room that when they walk out of here that they would be of good cheer because, Lord, as they sit here tonight, as I stand here tonight, let us know that you are with us. And when you are with us, we don't need to be afraid of any kind of wind. We love you, Lord, and we trust you. I pray, Father, that um, if there's sin in our lives that's causing this wind, I ask, God, that you would have mercy on us. Lord, I pray that the conviction, not the condemnation, but the sweet conviction of your Holy Spirit would rest on our hearts and that you would wash us clean. Lord, that we could walk unstained in your promises. God, unstained in confidence following Jesus. We love you, Lord, and we praise you. Bless my brothers and sisters tonight throughout this next coming week. We're so excited about Discovery Church coming up. And Lord, as you've called us to step out and to change as a church body, Lord, we're your people. We are going to follow you and step out with courage in our calling. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.
Thank you so much for being with us for the Life Together podcast. It's even better when we get to see you in person. You are invited to join us on Wednesday evenings here at Oak Creek Assembly of God. We are a church that exists to reach our world for Christ as we lead people to discover and become who God has created them to be. Find us online at oakcreekag.org.